are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I read a quote recently. It was a man quoting another man in 1930s. I don't know the preacher that quoted it. I don't know who he was quoting. But he said something that is uh, very much where we live today. If the world is ever to get on her feet again, and I have no idea what he was talking about. Was this after World War I? I don't know what he was quoting, but he said, if the world is ever to get on its feet again, the church will need to get on her knees. I spoke to you this morning about prayer. I'm coming to you again on the subject of prayer. And I plead, before you shut off the internet, please, would you listen? We have a task like maybe unparalleled to any other time in nation's history. I mean, our churches are shut down. And what is still needed is revival and prayer. And revival and prayer go hand in hand. I can visualize already the first Sunday back, whenever that is. And it will be at the right time and at God's time. But when this doors, these doors swing back open, by the grace of God, all 3,000 seats will be packed. And I'm looking forward to the other property being packed and people eager for the word of God. But I want to challenge the people of God. You and I have responsibility for prayer and revival. Prayer and revival does not come through Congress. Prayer comes through the people of God. Prayer doesn't come through the White House, though I'm thankful the president said last week, Sunday was a national day of prayer, but that was the first and that was the last indication I've heard about any type of prayer and church work on the news. And I know the politicians are there talking about what they're gonna do financially and thank God if that's what they're supposed to do. And I know how they're trying to combat this thing and thank God they're working around the clock and scientists and doctors and nurses and all that they're doing, we're so appreciative. But I want you to know that revival and prayer does not come through Congress and it does not come through the Supreme Court and it does not come through the White House. It does not become and come through business. Prayer and revival go hand in hand and it's the New Testament local church, God's people. In the book of Acts chapter two, there was revival. But in chapter one, verse 14, there was prayer. Prayer always precedes revival. Prayer always precedes revival. And here in chapter 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Child of God, this is the time to get the attention, the heart of God. We need the ear of God. We need the eye of God. His eye, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, is running to and fro all over the earth to see who he, show, where he can show himself powerful. I'd like his eye to rest on this place. I'd like God to see that the people of God, though they're not in the house of God, they're on the knees before God. And would it be something of every home that's listening? By the way, I don't have disease. I often cough. 
<coughs> pardon me, uh, uh, but, uh, but, but, but if, if God could see husbands and wives and children and men and women on their knees in their home before God, before God, crying out before God. Friends, we, we need God right now. We need God to intervene. Uh, and God, when, whenever God deals with the church, he always purges first. Don't ever forget that. No revival has ever come without purging. We are in a purging moment. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God wants revival. But I have to make sure the iniquity is gone. I have to make sure the sin and the iniquity, the attitude of sin is gone. In the book of uh, Genesis, we mentioned this morning in Noah's day, every imagination of the heart was evil continually. Their heart was full of sin and full of iniquity. And may I say today that if God is gonna send a great revival, and if he doesn't, it'll be great destruction. We're gonna go into persecution, and I don't want I don't want revival because I don't want persecution. I want revival because his name is worthy to be revived. We need to break up the fallow ground and God's gonna have to empty our heart. What does God want to empty in your heart? I've been asking God to reveal to me, not my brother nor my sister first, but to me. God, what is there in my heart Show me if I regard any iniquity, if there's anything unclean, if there's something in there, and no, none of us have arrived yet, so there's always something, I know that. But I don't want anything to hinder revival in my life and in this church, in my heart, in my heart, send a great revival, teach me how to watch and pray and to read my Bible. Oh, we're gonna have to get on our knees, 1902, Two missionaries made their way across the ocean. They landed here and they went to a place called Chicago, Illinois. In 1902, they wanted to hear a man by the name of R.A. Torrey. He was the assistant to D.L. Moody and D.L. Moody had just passed away in I think 1899 if I'm not mistaken. And when he passed away, R.A. Torrey began to pastor. And R.A. Torrey was preaching on the importance of prayer and he said, I'll tell you why God is not doing what God is capable of doing because we're not people of prayer. We're people of performance. We're people of, and began to list all the things, but oh, what could happen if we would go back to our countries and there are many people there from other countries. Go back to our countries and go back to our churches and go back to our homes and go back to our ministry and be a prayer warrior for the cause of Christ. These two men that were missionaries in India went back and said, we'll go and we'll pay the price and we'll pray and we'll seek God and I will promise you this, we'll walk with God until God gives revival. In just a matter of weeks, 8,000 people were saved. 8,000 people were saved. In South Korea, they got wind of it. They said, what's happening? What happened? They went to see him. How does this happen? And they said, we, we do not have talent. We do not have ability, but we can tell you this, that it's happened because God honors prayer. He's still on the throne. God can do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And in South Korea, they went back, and I've been in that great country of South Korea, and they'd been, they were praying and begging God, and just a matter of months after they got back, 50,000 people 
in the early 1900s came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. To see what God could do in America. We have what is called a Christian nation. That's what we're known for. We're not a Muslim nation. We're not a Hindu nation. We're not a Confucius nation. We are known as a Christian nation, one nation under God. This nation was birthed in Christianity. And I wanna say this, what would happen if God's people got rid of the carelessness and the callousness and began to pray and seek God? I guarantee it, undoubtedly, the smallest meeting in any church that's listening is the prayer meeting. Men's prayer, women's prayer, youth prayer. I guarantee it. You say, well, we're gonna be playing a basketball game. The gymnasiums are filled. We're going to party. The gymnasiums are filled or the social halls are filled. But we're going to prayer and there's just a few folks that prayer, pray. It's amazing what God could do. But it starts with me. If I regard iniquity, that's my part. I have to purge myself of my iniquity. God says, you don't do this, I won't do this. Have you ever noticed a lot of times, many times in the Bible, it always begins with me? It doesn't begin with God, I know we can refute that in other areas, but it begins with me. God doesn't say, I'll draw nigh to you. God says, you, that's my part, you draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. God's word says, call upon me. Your job's to call upon me. My job, I'll show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. God says, you Jack, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, son. In all thy ways acknowledge me. And God's part, he says, I will direct your path. It begins with you. I wanna remind you, God says, Jack, you resist the devil. And God says, I'll see to it that he will flee from you. God's word says, ask. My part is to ask. Jesus said, ye shall receive. My part is seek. And God's part says, ye shall find. And my part is knock. And God says, and it shall be open unto you. God says here, you've got sin. You've got iniquity. That must depart out of your life. The Bible says this in Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This book of the law, Jack, shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate in day and night. Then God says, I'll give you a promise. Then shalt thou have good success. We want the success without part A. God's word says, seek ye first, Jack, the kingdom of God. And he said, all these things will be added unto you. God says, come boldly to the throne of grace, son. Come boldly that you may find, here it is, here's what I'll do. I'll give you grace and mercy in the time of need. God always says it begins with me. God says, Jack, if you lack wisdom, will you ask of me? And he says, oh, here's what I'll do. I'll give it liberally and upbraideth not, I'll give it to you. You need something, I'll give it, but it starts with you. I want wisdom, well then it starts with me. I, I need answered prayer, well then it starts with me. I think we go to God like, why don't you hear me? Because it begins with me. My life needs to be pure, pur purged. The effectual, what you say? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, what's God's part? He said, I'll see that it availeth much. I'll do my part. You can always take it to the bank, you can count on God. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. 
That's my part. And his part, he shall sustain thee. The Bible says, honor the Lord with thy substance. And he says, here's my part. So shall thy barns be full. I'll do my part. You just keep giving. And I want to just insert there something there. Yes, we're already experiencing that it's getting tight around here. But I want to remind you, your home church is getting tight too. And if you have not tithed today at your church online or dropped it off, you go by the church where you attend tomorrow and make sure that you drop your tithe off. I cried unto the Lord, that's my part and his part, his part. And I heard him, he heard me. The Bible says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, Jack. Psalm 27, 11, wait on the Lord. And he says over here, you wait on me and I shall strengthen thine heart. I have a weak heart. Well, then wait on God. My Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. <laughs> That's my part. God says, then you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and I'll make sure that you bring forth fruit in, your se in his season. That's God's part. Did you know that the Bible says here in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, that's my part. I gotta get that out. I gotta, I've gotta purge this in my heart. I'm mad at someone. I have anger in my heart. I have bitterness in my heart. Well, people have bitterness in their heart and they answer with bitterness. I'm just going to another church. I look at a few pastors here that are with me today. You men have pastored churches, and undoubtedly, and we've never talked about it, but undoubtedly you've had people leave your church, and I can't imagine any of these pastors, they're such godly, good, encouraging men. I can't imagine anybody leaving their church, but I guarantee it if we talk, they had it, and so do I. Oh, it breaks my heart. The answer is not to, I'm, I'm mad at the church, I'm leaving. No, there's some bitterness in your soul and that bitterness will always destroy its own container. That's regarding iniquity. And if I regard carnality in my heart, God says that, that I, I can't bring revival with carnality. I can't bring revival with deceit. I can't bring revival with envy. I can't bring revival with fear. I can't be in the flesh. I can't bring revival with gossip. I cannot bring revival with hatred. I can't bring revival with ill will. I can't bring revival with jealousy. I can't bring revival with lust and, and a love for yourself. I cannot bring revival when there's just money conscious all the time and nasty living and, and, and the heart is full of sin and impurity. God says, I, I can't bring revival. When there's rebellion in the heart, I will not. I'll not submit to authority. I'll not do it, I'll do it my way. I will not obey any authority at work, at government, at church, at school. I'm doing it my way. Well, I'll tell you what, expect no revival. We can finish the alphabet for the sake of time, I won't. Not only does God give us scripture verses to say it starts with me and God always comes through but God gives us scripture illustrations. Um, Joshua, yes sir, would you walk around that city? Would you walk around it and not say a word with those Jews every day for six days on the seventh, will you walk around it seven times? And he just simply obeyed and let me tell you what took place. What took place? And the walls came tumbling down Joshua 
walk seven times around. It starts here. It begins here. There's a man by the name of Gideon had all these military uh, geniuses around him. God said, you have too many. And they pared it down, you still have too many. And he was left with 300. What'd he do? He, it starts right here. He said, I'm gonna obey God. I don't understand it. I don't, and he puts a pit, pitcher in our hand and he puts a trumpet in our hand and, and, and we're supposed to win the battle with a pitcher and a trumpet. This is what we're supposed to do. But God said, that's your part. And when you do your part, when you do your part, I'll do my part. That's what tithing's all about. You do your part and I'll pour out a blessing upon you. Malachi chapter three, verses eight through number 10. When David, David was, was just a boy, he was a shepherd. God said, you do your shepherd job and then I'll give you a king's job one day. Hey, David, there's a sling in your hand, use it. And when he used it, the giant came tumbling down because God always blesses obedience. God blesses when we act first. God blesses this. There'll be no revival till there's this. We bend our knee, we bend our heart, we purge our heart, we cleanse our heart. We tell God, where, hey, here's where I'm wrong. Here's what I've got to get right. Joshua and Caleb, go view that land. And when he did, he said, now the others are not going, but you brought back a good report. You sowed some seed here and you're gonna reap it. You're gonna see that land. And Caleb said, I'm 85 years old. I want that mountain. And he got it. May I remind you that Job went through trial before he went through tri triumph. May I remind you, those priests had a, I like it, those priests had a step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, and they stepped into the water. God, God said, I'll do my part. I'll go ahead and dry that ground. Uh, God says, you're at the, uh, that was at uh, Jordan. God says, now you're at this Red Sea. I can open that up but you're first gonna have to believe I can do it. And they began to go across and God dried the ground and they walked over and they went on the other side leaving Egypt. God says, you do your thing first, I'll do mine. God says, God said, if you'll just put blood on the doorpost, you do that first. And when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you, I'll do my job. God always, always comes through. You know, when I look at what revival is, and I don't mean this sacrilegious or irreverent, God's sitting ready, and I hope this doesn't sound irreverent, I won't be much longer. He's ready to pull the trigger on revival. But revival rests with me. Because I'm gonna have to break up the fallow ground the hard ground, the stubborn ground. I'm gonna to have to give myself so much to God that maybe the people of this world might think I'm strange. I would think they thought Ezekiel was strange the way he was behaving. I knew they thought Isaiah was strange and Jeremiah was strange and those prophets were strange. I've been thinking this week, I would never give a name but I know, I can, I can give you several examples of men that I knew that were different, eccentric, strange, odd, but they had the power of God.
and the mighty touch of God. And they knew it, and I knew it. And wait a minute, wait a minute. I can give you, I gave you, I, I gave you a lot of men that had it. But once in a while, a man had it, and his wife did not have it. And God used them mightily to build great churches and great ministries and great works. But the wife always thought she was living with a strange guy and passed it off to the kids too. I've known a lot of men in my time. I, I have on a prayer journal hundreds of names that men pastored when I began pastoring all these last 44 years. They passed away. I, I mean, I have hundreds of names. And I have the date they were born and the date they passed away. I'm talking about hundreds of names. I'm talking about hundreds of preachers. I'd call their name, you'd know them. But I think of this man was such a great man of God. He was just a little bit different. But when he prayed, you knew you were with God in his presence. His wife could never make the transition. Oh, she stayed with them, but she thought she was married to a nut. May I say, dear lady, your husband may be the next Charles Spurgeon, the R.A. Tory, the Billy Sunday that God wants to anoint and use in such a powerful way. But if he's totally sold out to God, he's not going to be like the rest of the men in this world. The other fellows, they might be the life of the party. The other fellows might be this or this, but you are, you are literally living with the man of God. I know he's strange. I know he breathes righteousness and breathes holiness and breathes, breathes uh, godliness and separation and holiness and breathes uh, conviction and courage. I know that. I know it. And he's not going to waver. I think right now I was never given, I was not given the illustration, but I read this past week of Charles Weigel again and how he was being so used of God. And then his wife back in the turn of the century, 1900, said, Charlie, I don't want this life anymore. And he had to resign the church. I want to go out to a new place out there in California called Hollywood. And she took her five-year-old daughter and five years later she died an awful death in Hollywood. He went on to serve God. He gave us that song, no one understands like Jesus. Or no one ever cared for me like Jesus, excuse me. He was different, I'm sure. I can remember hearing the story how that he was elderly and someone said he was supposed to be on the platform of a preaching meeting. They went to the dormitory where he was staying in an apartment in there and, and, and they came back and said, well, he's busy, he's talking to somebody. And after a while, they said, you gotta go back and get him, we're ready for him. And he said, there's a lot of racket going on there. I don't know what they're doing, but it's, it's, it seems like it's really weird in there. What's going on? I don't know who's all in there. And he came back and said, just go open the door and say, and they said they found Charles Weigel on top of the mattress, jumping up and down, shouting and praising God. Oh God, you're so good to Charles. Oh God, I love you so much. And he's just having a time. And he lost all track of time. Just, he was a nut. But he was a man of God. I, I know that God wants to send revival. Charles Finney, I've tried to read, I can, about his revivals. And he was looked at as strange by the world. 
And yet in those last years of his revivals, they said 50,000 people a week were coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Somebody was purging. Somebody who said, I want to empty myself to be used of God. I say to you, young preacher boys that are listening, and you young pastors that are listening, I envy you so much. If our Lord tarries, you might have decades left to serve God. Some of you will have 40 and 50 years yet ahead of you. There's no way I know I have that. But I wonder if I could just whet the appetite tonight for some young boy. Just to love God so much, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Matthew 22. Just fall so in love with God and, and don't, don't worry if your name is never in the lights. Just love God. God's choice may not be 50,000 a week. God's choice may put you in a little country church and at the end of your journey after 50 years, you'll look and you'll say, there was 50 young men that went out of my church and now are pastoring and they're preaching and every Sunday with those 50 men that are preaching, there's 100,000 people, there's 200,000 people that are hearing the gospel. You don't know how God's gonna use you. It may not be a big church but it's a big job and a big ministry to God. And God wants to use you, it begins with you. You're gonna have to please young man, live in such a way that in this day of easy social media to get on garbage, you're not gonna destroy your life, but instead you say, oh God, more of thee, I want you, dear God, more than anything. Charles Spurgeon, we're leading his people to prayer and the prayer meetings began to grow. And then in 1854, the cholera disease plague broke out. And as I said earlier, they were burying, they were losing a member a day in their church in London that year every day. They averaged at least a member a day. And I've read some things where he said, I'm preaching, I guess most of those messages are gone from that time. But I read one where he said, and he's talking about the various ones that have passed away this year, this week. And he is so bent on revival. And he was praying for revival. That was 1854. But in 1859, the revival came. And London was shook with revival. There was a great price to pay. 1904. 300 people began to gather together and they began to pray and pray and the vast majority of those were teenagers and praying that God would do something and the great Welsh revival broke out and they say that 70,000 people were saved in the Welsh revival. And so I go back to my text. Without regard iniquity, in my heart the Lord will not hear me. And so I'm over here with my iniquity, with my bad attitude. Now God, I have a grandson that's in the emergency roar tonight, I don't. But if that was the case, and God says, Jack, I wanna help you. I wanna hear your prayer. But your iniquity 
is stopping to answer the prayer. God, my wife has left me. My husband has left me. I'm so brokenhearted, I don't know what to do. Well, I could do something, God says, but not with your iniquity. We sing, search me, oh God. I'm asking you this week, will you search your heart? Is it pride? God resisted the pride. We go back to the scripture, humble yourself. That's my part. And he will lift you up. Before my part, honor is humility, son. Not thinking low of yourself, it's not thinking of yourself. Not thinking of your talent, your ability, your goodness, whatever it is. You're just not thinking about yourself. And so we have to come to the point of confession. I challenge you with this. Let's confess our compromise. And the church has become, I think churches have become very weak because we want to compromise so much. And I know in saying that, that will stir someone to say something online. But will you please hear me? Compromise never brought a revival. May I ask you to con confess compromise? May I ask you to confess myself as well, carnality? May I ask you to confess my companions? For he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. And don't walk or sit or stand in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand around with scorners. Get off the internet with the scorners. You're going to destroy your life and your marriage and your family. And so I'd ask us to comp confess compromise and carnality in our companions and confess our callousness. When can you say you led someone to Christ? When can we say I passed a gospel track? When can we say I spent X amount of time in prayer? I couldn't get off my knees. I couldn't get out of the, my prayer closet. I couldn't get out of the wilderness where I was praying. I just was God was speaking to me and dealing with me. When was the last time this word was so alive to you, you just couldn't put it down and you had to read it? When was the last time that God shook you in bed at night and got you up and you went and you read the word and you prayed and you walked with God? And I think of our casualness. You know, Pastor Everson, it bothers me how casual our church has become. Just casual. We want to relate to society. I do not want to relate to society. I want to have a relationship with God. And if the world thinks I'm crazy because of who I am or what I am or how I stand, that's between them and themselves. But I don't want anything between my God and my Savior, not, not a thing between me and my Savior. I want to live so clean that when these buildings are refilled with people, I want them to be under the spout of God's blessing. I want them to have so much blessing on their house and life because and I, I, I'm, no, I'm none of these men, but I would like to be like an Elijah and like an Elisha and like a John the Baptist. And even to compare it, it's so irreverent. There in a, and I, I would like to mirror the life of a Moses and a Joshua. Why? Because I want them to have what they deserve. 
our churches are filled and our people with coldness. We think we're so red hot for God, but God says you're naked, you're poor, you're miserable, you're blind. We're lukewarm, oh, that would be great for some churches maybe, but we're just cold for God. We're trying to cancel church all the time, and I know we're in a different moment now. Trying to get away with Wednesday night and get out of the Sunday night stuff and get out away from soul when it just doesn't work. Now, I know we can fight fault with all of it, but God still says, if I regard iniquity, he will not hear me. This world is confused right now. And we're responsible to get her back on our feet. And the only way we can is to get back on our knees. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.